This is exactly right. Listen, we're all SVU fans. We love a family drama. We love a mystery to solve. And you got to get hooked into a story with the details. You need the visuals. You need the storylines with the twists and the turns. And that is what June's Journey has and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young girl on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murderer. Dun, 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 dun. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. The game is filled with all these beautiful detailed scenes from the 20s, like lavish estates and gardens. And of course, little hidden clues are everywhere. There's twists, turns, catchy tunes. It all takes you deep deeper into this storyline. And if you play well enough, you can make it into the detective club. And there you can chat with other players and even compete with or against them, which is pretty exciting. And you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed. And can you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. Okay, love that. And guess what? It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Of the Law & Order franchises, SVU is considered especially watchable. We are the amateur detectives who kind of investigate the vicious felonies these episodes are based on. These are our stories. Dun-dun! Hello, welcome to That's Messed Up, an SVU podcast. I am Lisa. Hello. And I am Kara. Hello. (laughs) And every week on this podcast, we pick an episode of SVU that we just like. We run through it for you. And then we do the true crime that it was based on. And we chat with one of the very talented actors from the show. But first, we catch up. We gab. And today it's more needed than ever. Kara's in New York. I'm here in L.A. in my apartment where the air conditioner is still broken. It is 90 degrees. Neither here nor there. Oh, my God. Kara, what's up? Has Rosie even talked about me? Um, (laughs) (laughs) She's really excited in New York. She's loving all the children she's meeting. I've been taking her to a lot of friends' apartments that have kids because it's hot as hell here. So I can't really, like, bring her anywhere besides air-conditioned apartments where there are toys. So she's loving it. She's a cosmopolitan girl. Is she liking the busy streets? Is there a park? Is there a bagel? A pretzel? She's pointing things out. She's loving seeing birds. She is pointing out a lot of garbage. She keeps going, there's garbage on the ground. I'm like, yeah, that's New York. There's a lot of garbage on the ground, but it's great. I took took Rosie and Oscar today down to my old apartment, and I got a little picture of them. I'm probably going to put it on Instagram. I got a little picture of them in front of my um, old apartment. It was really cute. Um, And it's cool. New York is wild. Like, there's just so many. um, All the restaurants have, like, little outdoor huts now of, like, uh, where you can eat outside. And it's sort of amazing. I know it was caused by a pandemic that ravaged the city, but it's a lovely little silver lining, I guess. No, you feel like you're in a different country. Everyone's just drinking wine and martinis out in the streets. And there's like places that like, honestly, their win- their storefront doesn't look that great. And I'm like, I would never eat there. But now that they have like an outside thing, I'm like, yeah, I'd eat there. You know, like I'd sit and have a glass of wine. 
Um, but it's been really fun. I saw some of our mutual friends yesterday for dinner, and I saw some of my college friends, and we've been having a blast. And how's your family? I, the Connecticut house was a hit? The Connecticut house is a hit. Rosie is obsessed with it. She wakes up every morning and goes, where are all my friends? Meaning oh. all my all my siblings and like her aunts and uncles. Well, yeah, you haven't seen your sister in like two years. Yeah, yeah. It was wild. So now we've been hanging out a lot, which is good. And we're going to West Virginia tomorrow, baby. Ugh. <laughs> no, sorry. West Virginia, I'm sure. It'll be chill. <laughs> I'm sure it's just as fun as New York City. It is. <laughs> it is exactly just as fun. And you're driving the whole time? Yeah. Better or worse will it be than the plane, you think? What? How Better. was the plane? Was the plane, the plane a nightmare? Was a nightmare. nightmare. The plane was a nightmare. Delta, I, wh- what happened with COVID? Like, they don't, they can't afford any movies anymore. They had two kids' movies, and then the entire system did not work at all. I would have been fine with her just watching Finding Nemo over and over again, because that was basically all they had. But the full system shut down. Rosie was just wiggle worming in her seat for six full hours and Oscar turbo barfed all over me. But I was prepared for it because he does that once in a while. And so I brought extra clothes for like everybody and including myself. And I was the one he barfed on. So it worked out. Um, But it was harrowing. I really like feel, you know, our friend Nicole Byer constantly is like tweeting, keep children off of planes. I kind of agree. But I also have a person with two children that I need to fly. So, you know. I try to keep them as quiet as I can. I think the people you got to get mad at are the parents that just sit there like looking at their iPad or their phone while their kid is having a full nightmare attack. Like, and they don't. I don't know if that happens on a plane, though, because I think all parents have to be on alert that they are the number one enemy. Like they know that people are mad. I don't. I, I got, you know, I like to smile at a baby, but they have to know. No, people are terrible. Honestly, yeah. people know nothing. I got so <laughs> lucky with Rosie. The first time I flew with Rosie alone, famously, I flew to Chicago for Megan Gailey's bachelorette party with a five-month-old, and I took two flights there because I wanted to get status. Did I end up losing my status? I sure did. So I flew two fucking flights with a baby, and I luckily got seated next to, like, really nice grandmas both ways, and they would, like, hold her for me while I, like, went to, like, went to get things out of the overhead. You know, it was just, like, I got lucky. But I'm sure Nicole, like me, anytime I see the struggle, I just feel blessed. Yeah. It's just a reminder. It's like, yeah. you should have seen us. I mean, we literally looked like a cartoon from like a Christmas vacation movie or something. Like we, I like, we both were like loaded down with bags, like car seats th- to gate check. The little stroller I had for Oscar's car seat lost a wheel. The wheel kept popping off everywhere we went. Like the, a pilot had to help me stop and help me put the wheel back on. Like it was harrowing, but we got there and we've been having a good time. Yeah, you know, I'm pre-check. I just, I kind of arrive. I fall asleep immediately and um, I love it. Yeah, no, we're pre-checked too. So <laughs> that's a, that's the one blessing. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, we should cut that because I don't need anyone else getting pre-checked. Um, I like my <laughs> zoom in and out. That's the thing. It's like, it's such an amazing service. It's but people that don't use it. You're so dumb, but also I don't want you to use it. And yeah. how do so many people not purchase it? I know people that don't like like my in-laws I told them to get it and they were like we just barely fly and I'm like even if you fly once a year it's worth it but again cut all this we don't want people using our service yeah <laughs> but I, <laughs> you're gonna make me do clear I'm gonna have to like go up to the next level where they're scanning my eyeball oh, no by the way so I got a new <laughs> phone finally after years of bullying and um, I have a lavender iPhone 12 I think yeah uh, clear glitter case uh, Benjamin at the T-Mobile in Highland Park fantastic service I 
I, <laughs> I cannot tell you enough what an incredible employee he was, but, um, the, the face lock. What the fuck? What the fuck is Uh-oh. up with this face scanning? I'm wearing sunglasses. You don't recognize me. I'm wearing a mask. You don't recognize me. It's like bullshit. I know the the dumbest invention. Give me a home button. Like, this is so stupid. I have to constantly move my sunglasses up. Maybe I'm addicted to my phone and I should just be able to walk without having to pick up sunglasses. But <laughs> I'm like, the, what a stupid invention to happen. We need your full face showing at all times. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it worked with sunglasses, but I, I know it doesn't work with masks. No, not sunglasses either. Damn. Um, I'm not in New York. I don't, um, I did brag about being able to fall asleep and stuff. I was in Arizona. I was in Scottsdale. They pretend it's Phoenix. What's with comedy clubs lying? Like I'm going to rally and it's actually in Cary. Like the Chicago. Oh, my brother lives in Cary. He's got to come. Wait, when is it? This week. I mean, people are going to listen to it. It was last oh. weekend. Oh, okay. I'm going to tell him to go. He's got to, I'll comp him, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, all his burgers are on me. I cannot believe it. <laughs> I am so excited. But yeah, because our friend, I was like, how's Kara's sister? I've never met her. Um, <laughs> she said she's not as chatty as you, a little quieter. Well, when you can't get a real word in, yeah. you grow up a little <laughs> less chatty. <laughs> so I can't wait to meet a bro. Um, oh my God. Yeah, Carrie, last time I was, whatever. The hotel is across the street from a Starbucks. And let's be honest, that's all I need. I just need little <laughs> egg bites and I'm good to go. I mean, if it was across the street from a Starbucks and a Jimmy John's, it would be like, you're moving there. In Arizona, I did have Jimmy John's three times and then I was sick of it. So hopefully I'll never have it again. But <laughs> I was so happy to have it um, since uh, I'm starting a health kick again. So I'm kind of just like having quarter pounders. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm sick of comedy clubs lying. Like the Chicago improv is actually in Schaumburg. It's like, stop it. I'm having plans of rally. You know, I know a tattoo artist there and suddenly I'm in carry. I don't know. But anyways, <laughs> I was in Arizona. I met some listeners. One uh-huh. was very nervous. Like I felt like I was Michael Jackson and I was like, you need to stop doing this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she was just like, she was legit shaking a little bit. And I was like, what's up? And her fiance that just got engaged. He was like, she's a little quiet. And I was like, yeah, she's so anxious. But if I was so a quiet cute. person, you would be scary for me to talk to. Yeah, I guess it's just like, <laughs> I know who I am. And like, I'm looking at like, I don't know. It's just, but once you know who you are and that it is weird when someone is nervous to talk to you. Right. Like, right. What do you talk? I ate Jimmy John's in bed and sat at a pool alone for five hours. Like, I, <laughs> why, I don't know why. You're, but I also had problems. The plaza they put you in at the pool closes at 10 p.m. Bullshit. Like a person uh, came to kick me out. Oh, we're adults. You're going to lock Swimming up your a own risk. Yeah. Fuck. Old people suck and Republicans suck. They love rules. They love <laughs> fucking rules and to, and interrupting. Oh, there was also a family at the show. One podcast listener. It was her 18th birthday. What's up with her sister, her parents, her grandma, who's 84, a therapist still working, wearing Amazing. leopard. And she thought I was great. And I was like, if this 84 year old therapist likes me, I'm doing something right. You know what I mean? Amazing. I love that. And what a fun family. I wouldn't yeah. go see me with a family. I think that's the number one mistake you can make. <laughs> also, I don't even know if I should bring it up, uh, but a QAnon kind of lunatic made a video against me. 
someone tagged me in it. And at first I was a little nervous. This person was like crying and going nuts. And I go, what could I have said? What could I have said? That was so, in- and then I started searching her stuff. It's all Jesus stuff. It's all blue lives matter. It's like, okay, so what's going on here? She was mad that I talked about Pornhub. She's one of those people that thinks they care about human trafficking, but actually just want to shut down any right. service for any sex worker. And they think sex work is wrong. And yeah. uh, they say, you know, it's like priests are raping kids all the time. Get off my back. But yeah, it was actually a person who just um, doesn't believe in porn. Um, so yeah, but they made like a 10 minute video. Please send it to me. With tears. To see. 10 minute video with tears. And she goes, and she will, I'm not going to let this go. And I'm like, okay, you didn't even tag me. Also in it, she goes, and I kept thinking she would go back and say that she was just kidding, but she wasn't, she meant it. And I go, clearly it's a joke. The whole hour is a joke. You want me after every joke to go, I'm kidding. I actually don't want to kill my father. Like, what are you talking about? Wait, where did she see you? Is this based off of, this was um, in Arizona. This was a, per- she oh, left the show. She made a video after seeing you live. She oh left my the show God. after my Pornhub joke. She said she waited 10 more minutes. She was crying in the video, how distraught she was because I um, love child abuse images. <laughs> it's like, it's the most crazy. It's, it was, um, cause at first, you know, I'm an empathetic person. So I was like, I wonder what I could have said, but then it's like, Oh, you just want attention. Cause if you were really bothered yeah. and you really care about an issue, you would wait and you would talk to me after the show. Yeah. Or at the very least tag you in this video. Yeah, no, some, uh, someone else tagged me and they were like, I see her all the time. Hopefully she'll learn from this. I go, clearly it was a joke. Why would everything be a joke for an hour? And then this one thing is not a joke because you yeah. seem like you like, why didn't she say she was kidding? She wasn't kidding. Of course I was kidding. Imagine a comedian that just said, just kidding after every punchline. That's what you pay for. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it was a silly thing, but I can't wait to meet your brother. Amazing. Yeah. I'm going to get him to come. Uh, I mean, he does have two kids, so I'll hopefully we'll figure something out. He, his mother-in-law still is down there. I'm sending him. He's going. Um, but let's let's get going into this episode because it's a good one. And we got lots of uh, Do we sweet... have no one else to talk shit about? I haven't talked to you in like a week and a half. I know we do. We need to just get on FaceTime. I don't know if it's all. Um... Well, I've been leaving you alone a little bit because, you know, ah. you're with two kids in New York City. No, I'll definitely FaceTime you from West Virginia. I'll yes. be very bored and have time. How close is West Virginia and North Carolina? Should I meet up? <laughs> Should I close. rent a car? <laughs> That's what happened. I don't know if I've mentioned this before. I went to Australia for a comedy festival. And my friend was living in Dubai at the time. And I was like, hop on over, girl. And then <laughs> she came and I was and she was tired. And I go, what's the problem? She goes, it was an 11 hour flight. I go, oh, I thought it was so close. She goes, what? Do you not know what a map is? But I legit. <laughs> and I was like, um, romantically involved with someone. When she got there, I had a crush on someone already. So then I ignored her for a while. And she's like, I flew from Dubai. And I was like, oh, yeah, I thought it was a quick trip. My bad. <laughs> Anywho. Um, all right. Let's get going into today's app. All right. All right. We are talking today about Dissonant Voices, season 15, episode seven. Exciting. I love this episode. And let's get going. We open on Jackie Walker, the amazing Billy Porter. I love this man so much. I follow him on Instagram. I watch him in pose. I I honestly think this was my first exposure to him. When I saw him in pose, I was like, oh, from that episode of SVU, like that, this is how I 
he came into my life. I saw him at a, was it Virgin? I think I flew Virgin to Australia. I saw him in the lounge. Ooh. And it was thrilling. I left him alone, but it took a lot of strength. <laughs> <laughs> not to ruin his day it took exactly. a lot out of me and i do want to say i mean i'm sure other people but i give him full credit in exploding men's fashion with that christian seriano velvet tuxedo dress like that yes. to me really uh, after that it felt like even straight to we're wearing harnesses and different yeah. colors and right. uh, paisley print undershirts like i really um feel like him and christian seriano really did something yeah, he brings it on the red carpet every time and he is um like the only one of the only men doing anything interesting. So I think that's great. I mean now more are like you said, but yeah. Um so he is Jackie Walker. He's backstage at some kind of production encouraging a young girl named Grace to go out on stage like get out there and kill it. She looks nervous as hell. She looks on the precipice of barf. And then we break into a graphics package for American Diva, which is clearly an American Idol ripoff. And it is week one. Grace steps out on the stage. The judges are American Idol alums Clay Aiken and Taylor Hicks and the incomparable Ashanti. She was a huge part of my college life. Love Ashanti. No, my notes say, is that Ashanti? Like, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. <laughs> Completely. Um, she's uh, this girl. Grace is like so, so nervous. She stutters her name in her hometown. We see a package of her with her mom and dad. And then Grace like doing a confessional where she talks about her mom's cancer diagnosis. Very classic American Idol to have, you know, get your background package and then spill your hardship. Uh, we cut to Finn and Rollins who are just BFFs eating Chinese food and watching American diva in the squad room. I love this. I love when they're watching the thing that's about to happen. Like yeah. I enjoy that. Also ice is, um, he's drinking a Snapple and I know that's everywhere, but I do feel like, I drink more Snapple when I lived in New York. It feels like a more New York thing than anything. Well, they, I also, I drink a Snapple, probably five Snapples a week when I lived in New York. Like raspberry iced tea Snapple was my, like that was my drink of choice. And I cannot find one in California. They've either discontinued the flavor or they're just not sending it to the West Coast. I got I'm going back to New York in, in a month and I can't wait to find out where my snap. I'm um, I'm a diet lemon or peach iced tea girl. But as a I kid, was peach iced tea. Yeah kiwi strawberry oh wow i loved it but yeah i love snapple i hate that they went from glass to plastic but whatever Me too. But i love that he was drinking it and i'm glad you also think it's a new york thing and i'm sure people will write to us going how dare you we have snapple here too but <laughs> no i we have snapple in my grocery store but it's just it's always just regular iced tea peach maybe and like half and half i don't know there's just not my raspberry iced tea that i want Anyway, Kara, one thing you might not realize is the girl that plays Grace was the second runner up season two of the X Factor. So she sang for Simon Cowell and was on one of these shows herself. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even know that she was amazing. She sang feeling good and she was like 12 and crushed it and then was on Broadway after. So she experienced this in real life. Kind of hilarious. Oh, wow. OK, thank God you're doing this extra research because I just like I didn't recognize. No, her. I watched the season. <laughs> I didn't recognize her. And I was just like, I don't care. You know, like if I recognize an actor, I obviously look up their whole IMDb. But this girl, I was just like, OK, this is just like a young girl. Wow. So an X Factor alum is playing Grace. So 
we're cutting back and forth in and out of this package. Like Rollins and Finn are, are eating the Chinese and watching the show. And then we get back into the package and Grace is there with Jackie and Jackie's her vocal coach. And he like, they do a close up of him, like touching her midsection. So it's SVU. So, you know, like, you know, what's coming. And, uh, Grace is like, this is all thanks to my mom and dad, God, and my coach, Jackie Walker. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I don't think God did anything, but whatever. I, I always like go crazy when like gymnasts are like, I got to give it all up to God. And I'm like, no, give it up for yourself. You were the one driving to the gym at 4 a.m. Like you are the one that like didn't, doesn't get a period anymore. Like God has nothing to do with this, but Snoop sure. Dogg has thanked himself. I forgot if he yes. was when he got the star or something else, but he was like, I want to thank myself Yeah, because I work hard. Yeah. And I get, I know God helps you work hard. Um, so, okay. So now we're back to the audition and she says she's going to sing for once in my life by Stevie wonder. And Clay Aiken is like, okay, bitch, how old are you? And she's like 14. And he's like, okay, let's see it. Like, he's like, there's no way you're going to nail this like amazing song. She starts singing. She's so quiet. She sounds like she's bombing. And then like suddenly there's a turn and she has like the most soulful voice. She's killing it. She's the audience is going nuts and she's amazing. Now we cut to all the different cast members and people out in the outside world watching this girl like slay on this audition. We see a live on the phone talking to Cassidy. She wants to throw a housewarming party. We see Amara with Zara, his daughter at a diner. She's like, daddy, I want to be on American diva. How do I do that? And he's like, practice and i'm like well also you have to have vocal talent like you just can't practice your way into being good at singing. i know but then the kid goes you're silly daddy i'm like nothing is silly about practice yeah. i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> keep eating your pancakes zara right um but it truly just said a statement like nothing yeah. silly about it <laughs> then they cut back into finn and rollins at the precinct and rollins is like singing along and i don't really are is she super moved by the song or does Kelly Giddish want to have a moment where she can sing? I don't really know what's going on here. And then we cut to this family where this little kid Cooper is like sitting too close to the TV. His teen sister and him are watching the show. Um, and then another family, a blonde family where the blonde teenager is like, where's Jonah? He's missing the best part. And um, Grace is like smashing this audition. She brings Jackie on stage which would never happen. I don't think ever they would be like, my vocal coach is coming out on stage. I would do that with my acting coach. I, uh, yeah, but I'll it would say be it a here first. right now. If I win an award, <laughs> Ted's coming with Ted's me. Ted's coming out on stage. <laughs> and um, I got to give it up for my podcasting partner. Carrie, get out here. Like, that's what I want. I want that at your, at your, <laughs> your Oscar acceptance speech. Wow, Oscar. I was totally thinking like a people's choice. So thank you for oh, believing in me. Yeah. <laughs> daytime emmy maybe <laughs> um okay so then the in the blonde family uh this little boy comes out jonah and the mom's like who's Look, really cute he's really cute yeah he's super super cute and um the mom's like that's your music teacher mr jackie like isn't that exciting he's on tv and jonah's like no i don't like mr jackie he makes me play doctor and i don't like him and he runs away and that's the that's the end of the cold open. So we're obviously getting into a episode about accusations here. So now in the beginning of act one, Olivia is interviewing Jonah. He's four years old and he says, Mr. Jackie's a bad man. He, he followed me into the bathroom and Pippa. Well, this is a big Pippa Cox episode. Pippa Rollins and Amaro are watching from behind the glass. We find out that Jackie is a pre-K music teacher. He kept his day job, even though he's sort of getting some notoriety as like an American diva voice coach. And he kept his job at 
um, the Margaret Fuller School, which is a $50,000 a year prep school off of Park Avenue. Jonah's mom and dad recently split. This is relevant later. Uh, in the hallway, Finn and Amaro are talking to Jonah's mom, who says, well, one weird thing is that Jonah wet the bed at his dad's house, which he hasn't done forever. And then Jonah's dad like blows in screaming, like hot, comes in so hot. Like they just start screaming at each other. Like she's lying. She only cares about the money. She already made a false report to me about the, uh, to the IRS, which is like, that's so shady. Like calling in a fake report. Like you don't want to fuck with people's finances like that. I mean, no, you can't call in any false reports. The IRS is the best false report you can call in. If you're going to fuck with your husband, call the IRS. Um, don't accuse him of some kind of like crime he didn't commit. Very blue jasmine. Yes. <laughs> I love that movie. Um, Rollins uh, talks to the sister, Brooke Allen, played by Hannah Hayes. And she says her brother confided in her about being touched by Mr. Jackie a couple weeks earlier, but she thought he was making it up and she should have said something. So Jonah is now drawing with Liv and showing her where on the body he was touched, like with a drawing. He also draws a magic egg and says, this is something that Mr. Jackie tickles him with. Um, and this doctor game happens in a special bathroom where there are bluebirds and flowers. Pippa's like, wow, he's a consistent, incredible witness. And Rollins is kind of like, yeah, Jackie has no record at all. Like this is kind of like, you know, out of nowhere. Benson shows them the pic of the egg and says where it is um, with the musical instruments. So um, Rollins is like, do we have to make like a huge thing about this? Like he's an openly gay male teacher and a celebrity. Like if he gets accused of pedophilia, the stain will never go away, she says. So Rollins is kind of like something smells off. No, here. I'm loving Rollins and I love her gut instinct and following it. But it's it is funny, like when they choose, because usually she's the dumbest bitch of all, you know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. I'm always so curious, like, what about each case makes her not be the worst? Or any of them when they, like, are like, wait, I have a hunch. Because it's like, well, usually you're just, like, not hunching around. I don't know. Yeah. And, also, yeah, and it's like somebody not having a record doesn't really mean anything. Somebody not, you know, like... Everybody has to have the first blemish on their record at some point. So um, at the school, Rollins and Finn find a bathroom that has blue birds and flowers painted in it. It's like a single stall bathroom in the music room. Jackie is talking to Cooper's mom from the first scene. And she's like very delusional. And she's like, I saw a YouTube video of a girl who was three singing opera. And it's like you can just tell she's like this stage mom who thinks her children are more talented than they are. Jackie's like, excuse me, what are you doing here? Like, this is rude. I'm with a parent. And then they are, take a look in his musical instruments, specifically his clap and play box. And they find what is clearly a vibrator. And the mom who has just been asked to leave is like watching the whole thing through the window and like getting on the phone. So you can already like feel the hysteria building. And also like, if you were using vibrators on children, I don't. You would hide it a little, right? You're you're not just throwing it in the clap and play. Exactly, exactly. For like a kid to find in the middle of the day, it's very weird. Um, and Jackie thinks he's being punked by one of his producers, and like in the next scene, he's in interrogation. He's completely like flabbergasted. Like he's denying everything. He's stuttering. Like what the hell? Like I, I, none of this is this that's not my toy like i don't know what that is i never you know and um olivia is like you're famous and you're still teaching preschool kids like what and jackie's like 
I care about what I do. Music is so important for kids and the early years are the most important. And then like, he's just like not, they're not believing anything he says. So he lawyers up. Well, I love his line during this where he's just like, you are not listening to me. Yeah. Like you are not seeing me. You are not, you are not taking me seriously at all. I need a lawyer. And I just love the way he set up his boundaries. And it was like, it wasn't like, oh, I'm scared. This is too much. I'm getting a lawyer. It's just like, you guys are fucking up. I just love the right. way he worded everything. He's an amazing actor. No, he is really great. You really get the, um, you really get the sort of like hysterical, like how upsetting it must be to just have everybody coming at you being like, yes, you did. You did this. You did this. You did this. And you, you didn't do it. And I'm sure there's an added like distrust of the criminal justice system and everything being a black gay man and like these rich ass white spaces. Like it already, it's just, um, so many added layers and layers. Yeah. Clearly the listeners can see what's whose side we're on. <laughs> we're not <laughs> hiding it. Yeah. I'm sort of giving away a little bit of the end, but this is like the point of the episode. Um, Rollins is like, wow, you guys were like going at him pretty hard. Um, and Benson's like, you're the one that found the eggs exactly where Jonah said they'd be. And she, I mean, she's just kind of still like he's worked at the school for 12 years. There's been no complaints. He's always been extremely popular. And Ice-T goes, everyone loved Elmo, too. And I think this is a reference to the Elmo scandal, which you can read about. We can put a link to that in our um, thing, too. But Elmo is still kicking. Yeah, Elmo's not going anywhere. This was like one guy that voiced Elmo and was his puppeteer had a scandal. And it's like, yeah, Elmo is here to stay. So they think Jackie has been grooming Jonah and Rollins is kind of like, I don't know, he's four years old. Like he might not know what's going on. Pippa says Jonah won't be swearable. Um, even though she before said he was consistent and credible, I guess because of age, he's too young. So they're like, there's got to be other accusers. She said, I'll call the principals, see if there's um, other accusers and I'll put some fear in them is what she says. Now so. I'm just picturing Rosie as like an expert witness on the stand. I bet she could do it. <laughs> They'll be like, who did you see do this? She'll go, Lisa. Under the jacaranda. <laughs> she does love talking about jacarandas. Well, anyone that I tell about that, they're like, what's a jacaranda? I go, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so now in the next scene, Rollins is talking to Cooper, who is clearly another boy who's come forward. And he is the boy who... um his mom was talking about the opera singer and we were watching this boy and his sister watch American diva at the beginning of the episode. So they're like, Hey Cooper, we heard you didn't want to go to music class the other day. And he goes, yeah, I didn't want to go because Mr. Jackie does bad things. He came into the bathroom with me. There was a window above the tub with pink flowers. And he's, she's like a tub. And he's like, I meant sink. So he talks about the game and the extra special purple magic eggs and that he gets tickled with it. So it's a very similar story to Jonah's. And apparently nobody thinks they sound coached in the hallway. Cooper's mom is like a complete nut. And she's like pacing the halls, fielding phone calls, like getting multiple calls, like, hold on, I'm on the other line with Ellen, like everything. She just seems like she's getting very wrapped up in the whole thing and um, obviously spreading the word to many other moms around the school. And yeah, she's Cooper's mom, Mrs. Byrne. She says, oh, my God, a month ago, Cooper came home without his underwear. So at the precinct, um, we've now got two victims. But Rollins points out that the descriptions of the bathrooms are different. And they're like, well, that's not they're, they're all kind of just like writing Rollins off here. Then they have tested the magic egg and it is positive for Jonah's saliva and fecal bacteria. And then 
Um, there's a second sample on it. So they need to get that tested also. And they're just like, well, you wanted more evidence, Pippa. What else are you waiting for? In the next scene, we found out that it's both Jonah and Cooper's DNA are on the sex toy. Jackie is still denying. I have to admit, this does look bad. This does look bad for him. Um, And he's denying, but every pedophile would deny, you know, like, so who knows? A bunch of kids say they saw him go into the bathroom with Cooper. So Jackie breaks down and says, "Okay, I did go into the bathroom with Cooper because the poor kid fell into the toilet. He was embarrassed. He was crying. I was trying to help him and save him from shame. I should have told his mother she wasn't at pickup that day. I had to go to American Diva. I didn't do anything to these kids. He's still maintaining his innocence now. And Olivia is like sort of not normal Olivia. She's really not believing. And she's really like, oh, which one of your excuses should we go with punk? Like she's really kind of coming off a little bit more cynical than Olivia usually does. And now it's like the full scandal of this has launched right like it's on tv grace from american divas being hounded by the paparazzi and she's like i thought i knew him i guess i didn't you know taylor hicks makes a statement on behalf of american divas saying that jackie's taking a leave of absence ice t is like a little bit with rollins like are we sure this is like this happened and rollins is like i know Liv is working through some things because famously this is seven episodes after the william lewis nightmare So they think her judgment might be off and she's pushing this one too hard. And Amaro's like, I'm going to go with my partner on this one. And Rollins is like, of course you are. So little tension between those two. At arraignment, Jackie pleads not guilty, but they argue that he has all this access and like all this money, even though, I mean, there's really no proof yet. He's just gotten on TV two days earlier or something as a vocal coach. Like, I don't think there's any proof that he has all these resources. And they set his bail at a million dollars. And he's like, I don't have that money. And his lawyer is like, can you call someone? He's like, my brother won't return my phone calls. I have no family. I have no resources. Like this is, you know, and like, let's not forget that. Like when you cannot pay bail because of the bail system in our country, you just stay in jail until your trial, which could be years in this show. It seems like it's two weeks, but it's years in a lot of cases. And you know, that's why we sort of need to change the whole uh, bail system. But also, yeah, this is a semi-famous openly black gay man going to jail with the stink of pedophile on him. So he's not having a great time in jail. And this is kind of like um, the Pippa Cox Hank Abraham episode in terms of like them telling Hank, like, yeah, everyone's going to turn their back on you if they already haven't. Right. Like, You really need some great fucking friends to stand with you during a pedophile trial. Yeah. Yeah, like, we might be best friends, but will you be my friend when I'm on trial for pedophilia? Who knows? Right. Um, In the next scene, Olivia's with her therapist. Um, So they talk about the case. Olivia feels like she's playing whack-a-mole, like, which I'm sure it is what it's like when you work in sex crimes in New York City. Like, it's never, there's never, like, a slow period where people are not being hurt. Uh, So he's like, do you think of yourself as a savior? And it's like, yeah. Olivia Benson is 100% a savior. Lisa has the candle to prove it. He's like, you've spent so much of your life taking care of others. You've never mentioned your parents. Um, And I couldn't help but wonder, very Sex in the City dialogue, if when you were a little girl, did someone take care of you? Okay, so we're getting a little personal moment with Olivia where you get the feeling that she completely raised herself because obviously her father wasn't in her life and her mother was this alcoholic. And so you don't get the feeling that she was taken care of. And so maybe this speaks to her need to want to take care of people all the time. Um, 
So now in the next scene, the floodgates are open. All these kids are now saying Mr. Jackie's a bad man that touched them. But this next round of stories do not sound credible to me really as much or at all. So like one of the kids is like, Mr. Jackie is a bad man. And then she says it was uncomfortable. And now Finn is hearing from a little boy and says, Mr. Jackie played the game with me. It was inappropriate. Like that's not words four-year-olds are using. I mean, my daughter repeats everything I say, but she's not like in conversation saying inappropriate. And I know she's only two, but I don't really think that you can just tell that these are coached words, I think. And Amaro is like hearing from a little girl who straight up goes, Mr. Jackie's a bad man. My mom says he is. So he is like, you know, so that's like you're just fully hearing how these kids are being influenced by their parents. And now we're up to nine allegations, boys and girls, which I don't think is as common. And they're all preschoolers at this school. And um, they all said Jackie Walker tickled them and all the kids are too young to be swearable. Like they're all four around four. Um, so now they're like, let's go to Brooke, Jonah's older sister, because she's been studying with him for 10 years, even though she's like 14 or 15. Now she studied with him when she was four. So Brooke says, Jackie didn't touch me. He just touches little kids. And they're like, yeah, but you were a little kid. She breaks down and says, if I had just told my mom, then it wouldn't have happened to Jonah. And it's like, yeah, probably. But you can't, I guess, don't blame yourself. But um, she says uh, it started out as tickling. And then he had these egg toys and he had her put one inside of her and he would watch and touch himself. Now, I'm watching this episode with my mother at this time, who is a pediatrician. And my mom goes, oh, come on. You could not put one of those toys inside of a four-year-old child without causing serious damage. And you, and I was like, okay, so that's coming from a pediatrician that you could not put a full vibrator egg into a small child, or it would cause bleeding, which a parent would notice. You know what? This season, maybe Neil bears a medical expertise on staff. Yes. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. he would have known you can't put an egg in a baby. And you know what? Rosemary Clank is available and she can be paid in wine. If you pay her in rosé, she will absolutely be your pediatric consultant. I did love watching your mom drink wine. <laughs> you didn't have to wait long. She was truly going through bottle after bottle. She was on vacation. If you're a patient of hers, she was on vacation. So now they go talk to Rachel, Cooper's older sister. And I love this actress because her name is Kara with a K. And she is also the main girl from Moonrise Kingdom, which was a movie I loved. And I actually tried to have a Moonrise Kingdom themed backdrop for my uh, photo booth at my wedding, but it was too hard to do. But I did call several Alamo draft houses asking if I could get their backdrop of Moonrise Kingdom. <laughs> um, and they did not have them. Uh, Rollins goes to help Cooper brush his teeth. And she notices that in Cooper's bathroom, this is like, so Olivia can go speak to the sister. Rollins is like, I'll help Cooper finish his toothbrushing. And then she notices that in his bathroom, there's blue birds and pink flowers over the tub in the bathroom. And she's like, has Mr. Jackie ever been to your house? And he's like, no, never. Meanwhile, we cut back to Rachel talking to Olivia and she's like, oh yeah, Mr. Jackie uses the, use the vibrators on me. Like, and, um, Rollins comes in and is like, Liv, can I talk to you? And Liv's like, not a great time Rollins. And she's like, and nevertheless, can I talk to you? And they have this like tense moment, but then Olivia, she does pull Olivia out and show her the bathroom. And then they talk to Cooper again. And now he's kind of like reciting the story. Now you're getting, it sounds a little bit more coached, a little bit more rote. And, um, they ask him, is it hard for you to remember the story the way it was told to you? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, who told you the story? And he says it was Brooke twist heading into act four, huge twist. 
Now, Benson and Rawlings are talking to Pippa and Barb about how Cooper is reciting his story given to him. And like Pippa's like, well, what about the other eight complainants? And um, Barbara goes, oh, extraordinary popular delusions and the madness of crowds, which is I looked that up because I was like, that's not just Barbara. Barbara's so smart. He's obviously always referencing something. And that is an early study of crowd psychology um, by Scottish journalist Charles McKay that was published in 1841 called Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds. So I think if you if you uh, are familiar with like the McMartin trial or other trials that have happened in the past where it's like a wave of hysteria that goes from person to person and people like make up these experiences that they've had. And um, that's essentially what they're suggesting might be happening with these other kids that have all come forward. So why did Brooke and Rachel set up Jackie? Like, because he molested them when they were four? Is this like payback? So let's go ask Jackie what happened. They go visit Jackie at jail and he is like, I dropped Brooke and Rachel when I decided to coach Grace for American Diva. Like they, you have to be really, really special to make it as far as someone like Grace and Grace is and these girls weren't. And I saved them from 10 years of waiting for a big break that was never going to come. And then they were like, that must've made them pretty pissed, huh? And he like, this is such a great acting moment with him as he realizes why these he's been set up and that it was by like two of his former students just out of pure spite and hatred. Yeah, because he did spend 10 years with them, probably mul multiple times a week. That is fucked. But then it is like, you're right. The acting is so good because it's vindication. It's relief. Like you will get out. But then it's right. heartbreak. And then it's also my life will never be the same. These two dumb bitches. It is so many emotions that he's able to capture. For sure. Um, so he starts crying and like tearing up when he realizes like how, like what has gone down and they're like, wow, setting up your music teacher who dropped you for being a pedophile is hardball, like even for teens. And Rollins is like, yeah, but Brooke sees the way her mom plays hardball in this divorce. And I mean, admittedly, like calling the IRS, making up a story like she sees like this is how you get back at people that make you mad. But also, is she a sociopath? Because it's like, I don't care how mad I was at someone. I would not like frame them for pedophile rape. You know what I mean? Like, no, that has such crazy. You really think he should serve 40 years in jail? Like, it's fucked up. Yeah. These girls better get fucking locked up. Well, I think we find out that they don't um, because it's like for, for sure it's about privilege. Like they don't really see it as a thing of this is what's going to happen to this man's life. They're just like, no, he isn't going to make us be stars. So we're doing this. Um, or he's not going to help us be stars, I guess. Okay. So we're cutting back and forth between the interviews with Rachel and Brooke. And, um, they're asking Rachel, like, so he had like a power over you, but like, then you just quit working with him or did he drop you? And she's like, don't let them talk to me like this to her mom, which is a little bit, you get like a little tinge of her being a little bit too, entitled and then they corner rachel they're like oh you bought the magic eggs online with your parents credit card like that to me is like a smoking gun like you got the eggs like that could have been checked to me before the press got word let's look and see if anybody in like has bought these eggs or whatever also amaro is like yelling at her and i i liked it yeah amaro gets real pissed at rachel um, and then she breaks down and it's like, this wasn't my idea. This was all Brooke's idea. She made the whole thing up. She told me what to say. She told Cooper what to say. That's it. 
And then Brooke in her interrogation is like, I know I'm going to be a star. And Rollins is kind of like, really, girl? It's really funny. I love Rollins sparring with a 14-year-old narcissist. And she's like, I didn't do this to Jackie. Jackie did this to me. And Ice-T goes to the mom. You must be really proud of your daughter. Shade. I love it. So, you know, in the next scene, all the charges against Jackie are dismissed. The city of New York extends their sincere apologies. I mean, he obviously has a civil case on his hands. He should get money. Benson, Amaro, and Rollins apologize to Jackie, but Jackie does not give a fuck. His name is ruined. He'll never teach again. And he's like, when do these girls get charged? And Barbara's like, they got misdemeanor obstruction, one-year probation. They won't testify against each other. And the only way to prove it would be to have four-year-old boys take the stand. And these boys are already damaged as it is. And he's like, they're damaged. And it's like just a more great Billy Porter acting. And he's just like, get the hell away from me. And the cops are remorseful. And they're like, wow, they didn't sound coached. Like, and Amaro's like, we did our job. We got the evidence. And Rollins is like, you guys keep telling yourself whatever you want. This didn't have to happen. And it is kind of a good Rollins episode. Cause you're like, she had a hunch the whole time that this was like, not what it seemed. And I like that she's calling them out at the end, too, of just like, whatever you need, bitches, but you're wrong. And you did this and you fucked this man's life up forever. Right. And it is a rare occasion, I feel like, where you see Liv making a big mistake, too, like that. Like, Olivia, I think that they're supposed they're trying to show you how affected she's been by the trauma that's happened to her, I think, because she normally is a little bit more even keeled. She hears both sides. She, like, examines though it's in front of her. And this she was just like you're guilty like immediately so it was kind of you know you don't see that a lot anyway i'm excited and i don't again i always say excited but i'm interested for to hear the real story yeah unfortunately um there is no false accusations here <laughs> it is <laughs> it is confirmed um it is confirmed and actually pippa cox uh, mentions this case in this episode Yes. So stay tuned, everyone. Listen, we're all SVU fans. We love a family drama. We love a mystery to solve. And you got to get hooked into a story with the details. You need the visuals. You need the storylines with the twists and the turns. And that is what June's Journey has and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young girl on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murderer. Dun, 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 dun. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. The game is filled with all these beautiful detailed scenes from the 20s like lavish estates and gardens and of course little hidden clues are everywhere. There's twists, turns, catchy tunes. It all takes you deeper into this storyline. And if you play well enough you can make it into the detective club and there you can chat with other players and even compete with or against them which is pretty exciting. And you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed. And can you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. Okay, love that. And guess what? It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. 
Welcome back. Um, okay. I hope the commercials were nice and soothing or you skipped through them like we do. Okay. And don't do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> listen to them, guys. We uh, need that money. <laughs> um, so this case is uh, set in the UK, in England. Jimmy Savile is um, the perp that we will be discussing. And I learned about this case a few years ago. Um, I was performing at the Melbourne Comedy Festival and this comedian, Rosie Jones, and I were hanging out. I will never forget this. And there were other comics there too. And she just broke down and told me this whole story. And it shocked my life up. I couldn't believe we didn't know about it in the States, but also it is truly heinous. It is so layered. So many facts over decades. It, it is just a wild case. I know nothing about this, by the way. I'm like coming in completely virginal to this story. Oh, you will be shocked. Yeah. So <laughs> um, I do want to shout out Rosie Jones for introducing me to this case. Um, she is a we funny comic. We stand another Rosie. Oh, yeah. She's <laughs> a really funny comic in the UK and really talented writer. So check her out. Maybe she has a podcast. Who knows? But <laughs> um, it is really shocking. And the way she explained it to me was like, if Mr. Rogers had committed all of these crimes against children and stuff. But when I Googled him, he does not look like Mr. Rogers. He looks <laughs> wild. And it is kind of part of his appeal that he looks eccentric and so abnormal yeah so i was like okay maybe he's not mr rogers you need a new example um also netflix is working on a documentary about him right now and it's gonna come out towards the end of the year uh which sucks for me because i actually had to read in my research <laughs> uh but you guys will be all ahead of the game before the documentary comes out and there is an itv documentary about him that you can watch on youtube as well but um yeah so lots of stuff coming out about him so Jimmy Savile was a DJ, television personality, children's television host, radio personality, and a dance hall manager, and was super well known for his fundraising and supporting of charities and hospitals. Uh, a very, very known philanthropist. He was knighted in 1990 by the Queen. Whoa. He also got like some other special religious knighting from Pope John Paul II. He was beloved and he used his reputation to commit these crimes. He hung out with the royal family. He spent holidays with the Thatchers. He was one of Britain's biggest stars, a larger than life character. Um, some of his uh, TV shows that he was known for were called Top of the Pops, Jim will fix it and various stints on BBC Radio One. And like we said, his public persona was very like he's eccentric, flamboyant, straightforward and good natured. Um, and he used all of that to keep speculation at, at bay. And like when people thought these things about him, he would be able to go like, I'm just odd. I'm just a weirdo. Like, that's just me to kind of quiet mm. everything down. Um, and even in like 1972, in a documentary, he was quoted saying, it's a nice thing that I have nothing to hide from people like with every moment you will be more and more it's shocked. always so wild to me when people are just like flaunted a little bit like i'm just an open book like I, what it's like you're ass it's like it's like erica jane going on tv and showing how she spends her money when it's all being stolen like and it is just so sad and disgusting that's how far she's doubled down 
where she's just like, I don't have to give my money back. And it's like, you're disgusting. I can't, I hope she ends up in jail, which is wild. You know, we bonded going to her concert. I know her 45 minute concert. Um, (laughs) I was pregnant. I brought, I brought my Rosie in utero to that show. And the big thing with this case that makes it even more horrific besides all the crimes is like, I mean, the question is, did people know or not? The answer is they did. How much did they know? Were people covering it up? Were they surprised? And we're going to talk about all this. But he was able to get away with these crimes for decades. And it was an open secret. Um, Investigators now legit believe he has around 500 victims. Oh, my God. Some as young as two years old. Oh, Um, at the height of his fame, he sexually abused hundreds of children, women, men, everybody. He committed these crimes at institutions, including the BBC Broadcasting Studio, 14 hospitals and 20 children's hospitals across England. Oh, my God. Getting ahead of the story, though, he did die in October 2011 at age 84. And then the story broke. So the story was kept hidden until after his death. Wow. But that is what they refer to in the in the SVU episode. They refer to Jimmy Savile as like a guy that has victims of both genders and like who uh, and and various ages like he is. A, that's a little bit of a break from the norm with pedophiles, I feel like. Yeah. And then this isn't um, along in the story, but a Washington Post article from 2014. It started so shady. It went, Jimmy Savile was never a handsome man. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) Which gay wrote this article? (laughs) So going back in time, um, 1955 is the earliest incident of abuse recorded by the police in Manchester when he managed a dance hall. 1960, um, a 10-year-old boy asked for an autograph and he took the boy inside and sexually assaulted him. By 1965, records show abuse started at the BBC at Leeds General Infirmary, um, where he was a longtime volunteer, and at Stoke Mandeville Hospital, where he also volunteered. His relationship at Leeds General Infirmary lasted five decades. At first, it was mostly fundraising. And then in 1968, he had a request to become a porter and to bus patients. So he asked to bus patients and everyone was like, okay. So he volunteered countless hours as a hospital aide busing patients to and from. Um, He also got his own parking spot. He was there a lot and he had limitless range of facilities. He would actually park his camper van overnight at the hospital and workers would dispatch at 8 a.m. coffee to his door. So he was just like always out and about. Um, Dr. Sue Proctor, who chaired an inquiry into his actions at Leeds, said that Savile had an unwholesome interest in the dead. If you can catch my drift. It is said that he posed for photos and performed sex acts on corpses in the hospital mortuary. Jesus, this story. Lots of people claim across many sources, but I I was not able to confirm this next statement, but a bunch of different people said that he would wear jewelry and rings that were made from glass eyes of dead bodies from the mortuary. Oh my gosh. He had a bedroom at Stoke Mandeville Hospital in Buckinghamshire and an office in living quarters at Broadmoor Psychiatric Hospital in Berkshire. Oh my gosh. Yes. 
He made inappropriate comments when female patients had to strip down. He showered naked in front of staff. He would watch women shower, molest and rape patients and staff. He had free reign and, and a set of keys. He had a set of keys to a psychiatric hospital. He went after the most highly vulnerable people because people at the psychiatric hospital are people that will not be believed. You know, yeah. they're not very credible witnesses. There's an amazing episode with Natasha Leone of SVU kind of dealing with this. Um, like I said, full access to Leeds General Infirmary, where he raped and fondled boys, girls, men and women in offices and corridors. And there he also committed sexual acts on dead bodies. Oh, my God. One hospital worker said he sort of basically had the run of the place. Some of his victims were attacked as they lay on hospital trolleys after operations. Oh, my God. And I learned about all this while we were like at a bar drinking. I was just like, wait, what? Like, what? Ugh. Like, we do a crime show and we talk about heinous crimes and you're like, what the fuck? I was like yeah. having a cocktail with an umbrella in it as well, these Brits <laughs> were just like yelling. Like, everyone was just telling <gasps> oh me about God. this. And with every moment, it got like worse and worse and worse. So, yeah, at the after besides hospitals, he also raped and assaulted people in television, dressing rooms, schools, children's homes and in his car. And that's why he um, agreed to like bus patients around and drive everyone because it was like a great place to molest people yeah. um they're in your car um he also would like be like their version of make a wish style um like he would be driving people in limos to get their like wishes because they were sick and molest sick kids on their way to have their wishes like completed um so yeah he was very good at um making pride but he didn't even have to be private i mean it was like on fucking no, hospital because, beds yeah but i'm sure by the time you're getting away with it for a couple of decades you're like well i'm just gonna i'm untouchable now you know well yeah and we'll get to more um of how he had leverage on people as well yeah in 1973 a radio one controller asked the station's press guy rodney collins to check whether any papers were planning to print any of these rumors and all the papers said that they heard allegations but were unwilling to print them because whether they were true or not because of his charity work and popularity they didn't want to fuck with it he uh would persuade the tabloids not to publish the stories because they would be responsible for the end of his charity fundraising. So Savile is said to have raised 40 million pounds for charities. And that became his effective form of emotional blackmail. So anyone that did want to speak up, including nurses, tabloids, coworkers, anyone, he would say, if you do this, you're the reason this hospital won't get money. So if you tell, then you guys don't get millions of dollars. As if there's no other way to raise funds except for this man, Jimmy Savile. Like, I mean. Yeah. But it worked. It worked. The fundraising got him into everything. Um, and just like very powerful places. God. So like in 1988, he was even appointed by the Department of Health as the head of a task force overseeing Broadmoor, the psychiatric hospital he worked with. The Department of Health anointed him the head of something, you know, that's so weird. Like you have no medical training. Like, that's just weird. And even still, though, some people claim they had no clue and you don't know if they're being honest or protecting themselves or what's going on. But Roger Ordish was the producer of one of his shows. Jim will fix it, which ran between 1975 and 1994. 
Like wow. he, that's one of his shows on the air for decades. Like we know how hard it is to just like sell a show that's never even going to be made. Like to have a show for decades, that's a long time. And this Roger guy said he suspected no wrongdoing, but oftentimes grown men just do not see the signs. Like maybe, you know, people that are yeah. more vulnerable would. Yeah. Um, but this producer said that one time Jimmy stayed over at their family home and he put Jim in the bedroom next to their 14 year old daughter. Like oh that's God. how uh, not suspicious he was. And that statement's from October, 2012. Um, he also, he thought that Jimmy was actually asexual, clumsy and naive and like really didn't see anything. In 2000, Louis threw a journalist and a documentary filmmaker made a documentary where like he confronted the allegations, but didn't dig deep enough. And I think he regrets that now, but they just talked about the rumors and Savile denied all of them. Um, and through visited him in his home in Scarborough where Savile's mother lived and he had many homes. He had like I wouldn't say, a, but he had like a ton of homes, more than a handful of homes all over. Uh-huh. And again, more places to fucking molest people. Um, but in this home, that was like where his mom lived and through said that Savile had a continuing attachment to her 27 years after her death. He would okay. refer to her as the Duchess and kept all of her clothing and stuff. So, you know, mother son relationship. So is difficult. Good luck out there, Kara. <laughs> there were rumors and whispers and murmurs he was a sexual predator but they never stuck and nobody believed that jimmy could do that um figures from the music and tv industry said they all heard rumors a former record plugger um said at the radio station at bbc radio one said that savile's interest of young girls was an open secret in the 60s in 2008, he was named in a 2008 police investigation into abuse at a children's home, but nothing came of it. In 2009, the Crown Prosecution Service looked at four allegations dating back to 1970, but decided not to pursue a case because the victims would not support police action. So I don't really understand that fully, but obviously I want to report everything I guess. It's like they didn't want to press charges. Maybe they were worried about like retaliation in some way or it would be too hard for the kid to testify. Who knows? Yeah. But this is like a classic, like where there's smoke, there's fire. You just don't have all these accusations about somebody when it's totally not true. Well, except in the SVU episode. In Dissident Voices, yes, but that was like, in one isolated time period. This is like over time and time. Oh, I think yeah. That's why she keeps saying like, it's been 12 years. He's been at this school and nothing, you know, like, but I hear what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> so Savile was interviewed under caution. Um, basically he said the allegations have been invented by the people and, uh, that they just wanted money. He just said everyone is after his money, which is what Michael Jackson always was saying. Well, that was always like the Michael Jackson defense too. Right. I never knew that he even made any statements. Everybody. Well, I think people would. That's like how they would discredit the witnesses in general is just say they want money. And it's like if they were molested and they want money, I'm okay with that. You know, (laughs) Um, he threatened to take legal action against the police. And he mentioned that he had sued five papers in the past. So he threatened legal action. So nothing ever happens. And then the scandal breaks after his death. So all these people sat on the info and he was laid to rest very respectfully. October 29th, 2011. I mean, like a full parade. Okay. He had a golden casket. He like oh my God. A, in honor of him. He was a, a, like a very 
big hero type of funeral. And then like that was October 29 and then November all everything came out. So everyone kind of sat on this for decades and then post death. And it sucks. He was 84. He was able to kind of live this criminal life for so long. Had a hero funeral. Then the stories yeah. came out. Infuriating. One woman recalled Saville sexually assaulting her when she was 16 and that he told her, you won't talk about this. Nobody will believe you. I'm Jimmy Saville. I can get you. She remembers telling her mother who didn't believe her and she never talked about it again. Oh, another account from a woman who was raped by him at age 12 said when she complained to a nurse, she was told not to say anything. Otherwise, the nurse would get in trouble. Another victim, then 11, was systemically abused by Saville in the hospital chapel during services. That's how arrogant this guy was during services. And um, Malcolm Gladwell in a New Yorker piece about Sandusky uh, just kind of talked about how the most prolific pedophiles are rarely the disheveled old man balding offering candy to preschoolers. Rather, pedophiles can be agreeable members of the community and people don't believe it because they're well liked without realizing that these people are in the business of being likable. And it seems like nobody was more liked in the 70s and 80s than Jimmy Savile. And so that's just um, a little tidbit. Like, yeah. yeah. And uh, Mickey Maud, this uh, porn star that I really like, he in an interview somewhere was saying he's like, you know, people that claim porn stars are pedophiles or criminals or sexual abusers. He's like, no, we work in an adult only space. Like we work with adults only. You should be more worried about people that work with children, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of this thing. It's like, be more worried about the likable person. Right. Not what we're always taught, but. The truth. In 2013, Scotland Yard reveals 213 criminal offenses across 28 police forces between 1955 and 2009. 74% of his victims were children and the allegations of abuse span 14 medical establishments. Um, And an extra little wild thing about him is despite hosting a children's television show, he hated children. That was part of his personality. Um, But it's like, of course, you hate children if you're abusing children. Like, that makes sense. But in that documentary that Thru did, um, and I watched a clip of this, he asks him, like, well, you know, why do you what's why do you hate kids so much? Why do you insist on talking about how you hate children? And he is quoted saying, we live in a very funny world and it's easier for me as a single man. I say I don't like children because that puts a lot of salacious tabloid people off the hunt. What an innocent sounding answer, you know, like that is so guilty sounding. Yeah. So by 2014 in June, the BBC panorama confirms at least 500 reports of abuse. The BBC then sets up their own three-year independent investigation to scrutinize its own behavior and culture during the years um, that employed him. And that was from 1964 to 2007. Dame Janet Smith, a retired judge, uh, concluded in her 700-page report that he had raped at least eight people during his tenure at BBC, including one victim who was eight years old. The judge said BBC staff members were aware of the complaints against him, but the accusations were not conveyed to senior management because of a culture of not complaining. Their reverence for the talent created conditions that allowed abuse to flourish. 
She said during the process of interviewing people for the reports, they were all super scared still. And there's like an atmosphere of fear to speak forward. And people only talked after they were guaranteed that their names would not be published in the report. Also, people were highly likely not to complain because jobs at BBC were highly competitive and a lot of employees were freelancers or on short-term contracts, which adds to their vulnerability. So a lot of people just didn't want to speak up because they're easily replaceable and they wanted their job. Unrelated to this case, but um, during Dame Janet's reporting and, and digging in, she issued another report against a broadcast guy called Stuart Hall, and he abused 21 female victims and um, and that the members of the BBC management had known about the behavior. In 2013, he was put in prison at 86 years old, but he's already out of prison and the sentence was like maybe 30 months. It's so weird. But this is why I wanted to add this in. This is how confident people are. He cut the pubic hair of one of his victims and put the clippings in a picture frame on his shelf at BBC premises. Oh, my God. Come on. Oh, my God. Right. Pubic hair trophies on display. And this guy is still alive. He's 91 and out of jail. And he got out. Yeah, that's what I mean. He maybe served 30 months like he. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. And he's pissed about his <laughs> that he had to serve time. Um, but back to Saville, um, the psychologist Oliver James wrote that he believes Saville was afflicted with psychopathy, Machiavellianism and narcissism, and that he must have had a fantastical inner life that like that was super grandiose, wild and desperate. And then that's the end of that. But then I was watching it was a little too much, but I was watching the ITV documentary and one of the victims of him goes, he fumble around in my knickers. And I'm like, that's too silly to mean rape. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, it's just such a fucked up thing. But fumble around in my knickers is such a silly sentence. But she was describing being assaulted. Yeah. Don't let anybody fumble around in your knickers, kids. No. And can the Brits come up with more serious language? Like, this is too silly. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so that's why this case is so fucked. And it's stuck with me for years. And I was not excited to research it, but like to dive a little deeper because it's like, wait, so he's a necrophiliac. It's like sick children. It's all over. It's in the BBC. It's everywhere. And for decades. And he does look like a criminal. God, that is just so heartbreaking. It's just so gross when somebody's allowed to just walk around with impunity and then just fucking die without ever being punished or really having a day of grief in his whole life over his crimes. Yeah. And they said, we have a friend like this. Hopefully she's not doing fucked up shit, but, um, like he liked to keep all his friends separate and all his friend groups separate. Oh, right. And he had all like all of his different houses. Those were all like the friends. And he he just kept everyone very far apart. So no one got to yeah. truly know him and everyone only knew parts of him and they couldn't communicate with each other. So he was very right. smart about keeping people separate and not getting too close to people. Yeah. Because when your friends commingle, they start to like compare notes. Yeah. You know, wow. Well, Lisa, that was terrible, but thank you for all your work. Yeah, and it's fucked up because it's like, so now are we supposed to be suspicious of anyone that's charitable? 
I know. Anyone that wants to volunteer at a hospital, are we going to raise our eyebrow and follow them around? Like, what? where do we f- draw the line to, like, are you a molester? Or are you just a great person that likes to help people? You don't know. Yeah. No more millionaires and billionaires in the hospital helping hands-on. Just give checks. You're not allowed to go in and be near anybody. Sorry. Let's check out our interview. I'm excited for who we talk to. All right. I'm so excited for today's guest because she played Lizzie Sanderson on a show that I famously am obsessed with called The Grinder on Fox. She's also been on Criminal Minds, Grey's Anatomy, but you guys know her as Brooke Allen from this episode of SVU. Check out our little chat ski with Hannah Hayes. Hannah, we're so excited you're here. It is Hannah, just so you know. Oh, it's Hannah. Thank you. But you know what? Potato, potato, you know? No, as coming to you as a Kara, who is not a Kara, (gasps) I feel your, I feel the struggle and we will absolutely be calling you you Hannah. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And I'm a Lisa that's not Eliza. Exactly. And you only have one N. It's truly our fault. It's it's from Hannah Maui. That's that's where it came from. You're a little Hawaii baby. My uh, biological father was born and raised there. So I know. I love it. I go almost every birthday. I didn't get to go this birthday, but it was, it's my favorite. It's one of my favorite places in the world. What island do you go to? Mostly Oahu. Okay. um, But, and I've never been to to Hanamaui, which is just a crime that I haven't been there yet. Because I, I have been to Hawaii like 17 times in my life, but I've just never made it to the road to Hana. So that's definitely on the bucket list. And were you always theater kid acting? When did you get into it? I didn't come from a family that was very theatrical. My grandmother is, you know, she's amazing. She should have been kind of been a movie star. Um, So I kind of got that from her, but it's been fostered from a very young age, but I was never like in the right environment for it. Uh, But when I was 10, I kind of entered myself in an acting competition uh, out of Tucson, like they like trained in Tucson, Arizona. And then there was a big contest. I'm sure, I don't know if you've heard of it, like IMTA, like where all the Barbizon kind of goes there. Yeah. So this is exciting. I did that. Yeah, I did that. And I like won a couple things. And my mom was like, I mean, you know, she had me at 44. She was like, I guess I'll retire and we can do your thing out here. And I was like, let's go girl. And we moved to LA when I was 10. It was supposed to be for six months and it ended up being 10 years. So, wow. So, um, the show obviously shoots in New York. Did you, did your mom go with you? She had to be on set. You were young, right? Yeah. Yeah. How old were you? Were you like 13? I think I was 15. Oh, 15. Wow. I'm not positive. It's kind of all blurs, but yeah, I taped it in Santa Monica, taped my audition. And then, um, yeah, we flew out to New York and it was great. Were you a fan of SVU before you did the show or no? I mean, of course, like I would sneak and watch it at my, you know, if my grandma had it on or if someone had it on, I'd like, love to watch it. And I think Marishka is just amazing in every possible conceivable way. Um, <laughs> and so I, knew her more so than like do like watch the show so that's I was really excited to work with her that was like my number one thing um but yeah I saw it every you know in passing and I think it's amazing but honestly 
those procedurals, I just, they give me nightmares. They give me so many nightmares. And so I have to be careful, you know? Yeah. We definitely have had issues with going to bed right after doing research on these crimes and having some wild dreams. So I'm sure we feel that. Do you ever get nightmares listening to our podcast or my favorite murder? (laughs) Well, I have a rule. So my rule is I can only listen to them in the morning because, you know, as, as we said before, it gets, it gets kind of scary later at night. So I I've adopted my grandmother's rule of like making sure I laugh before I go to bed. So I'll always watch like Seinfeld or listen to like a funny podcast before I go to bed and save my murder podcast for the morning when it's light outside and I don't have to worry about what's under my bed. (laughs) So yeah, let's talk about your turn on this episode, Dissonant Voices. You're this like innocent little blondie until you're not. You're very diabolical. Right. Your character should have focused on acting because she has quite a few scenes where she's tugging at the heartstrings like we think she's been molested. Um, How did you get into the headspace to play such a, like, unhinged teenager? Gosh, that's a really good question. Um, (laughs) Or were you an unhinged teenager and it wasn't that much of a stretch? (laughs) No, I was not an unhinged teenager at all. Like, I'm a very strict rule follower. You know, (laughs) I like to think I have a very strong moral compass. And so that it was far from from my everyday life. Thank goodness. Um, so I think in scenes like that, in the scene where, where I'm sitting on the bed and Marishka's there and I'm talking about Mr. Jackie and how he may have touched me and, and, or he did, you know, I say he did. I, I just kind of put myself in a place where it's like, this is the truth. The character has to believe that this is the truth in order for the scene to play. Um, and in order for the pivot to be so like, to be so jarring for the audience. So, um, Meisner is the main, um, kind of method that I use. And so just kind of like having an intention and like creating my truth for the scene and then kind of playing off of, um, the other actors in the scene. Uh, so that's, that's kind of, I created my own little reality for each one of those scenes. And it mostly was like, this is the truth. This is what happened. This girl is having such like a psychological break from, from, not getting on American diva that she has like spun this, this truth for herself Mm -hmm. to kind of help cope. And she, sometimes, you know, if you tell yourself something enough, you kind of believe it to be true. And so that's kind of the, the stance that I took, um, in the, in the beginning and then kind of when it starts to unravel, like, you know, I, I dealt with that separately, but that's kind of what I did for the majority of the episode. And then how was it, um, what was the process for the like final freak out scene where you're in interrogation, your mom's there and everything like that is so good. It was so exciting. Thank you. I mean, yeah, it was amazing. And Kelly Giddish was so helpful for me, um, in, in that scene, because, you know, what we saw on, on, you know, in the final cut, she was, she was angry and she was like trying to pick at me, but she was pretty composed. Right. But when I was on my coverage, instead of like, she really helped me. I'm trying to articulate it. Um, but like, she was like screaming at me, she was screaming at me saying a whole bunch of stuff to help me like understand that like, this is I'm caught, like this is over, you know, and this reality that I've created is just crumbling around me. Um, and that could, that to be in that headspace for that character, it was, it was really intense, you know, it was really intense because now 
you know, a 15 year old girl's worst nightmare should be like in a perfect world, like, you know, not being able to find the right pair of shoes or whatever, <laughs> you know, like, uh-huh. like, but in this, in this scene, this girl has put herself in a position where, you know, she could go to jail. The rest of her life is ruined. She has ruined a man's career. She has ruined a man's entire life. And I don't think she understands the gravity of her actions until that moment. And it's very profound and, and terrifying. Like she, I don't know, just breaks. And so that's kind of what I did. And when I was screaming, like, I didn't do this to Mr. Jackie, like he did this to me, you know, like this isn't my fault. Um, that's like so crazy. It just shows how warped her perception of the world is. What was it like working with your little brother, Jonah? He was very cute. (laughs) He was so cute. (laughs) He was fabulous. Oh my gosh. Him and um, his name escapes me right now, but the other little boy. Yeah. Cooper is the character. Cooper. I don't know his real name. <laughs> Cooper. Yeah. So Cooper and Noah, they were both just so precious. And I loved like when we were um, on set, we all had to do school at that age. You know, it was really nice because I don't think they had any idea, like the gravity of what was going on, you know, right. the characters that they were playing, which I feel is so important, especially at that age, you know, like they, went in and they did their stuff. But then afterwards they were like, do you want to go play Hot Wheels? You know, <laughs> so it was, it was great. They were just absolutely precious. That's so cute. And are you a singer? Do you sing at all? You know, I dabble. I, I'm writing an album right now. And my friend is, um, yeah. Uh, I, which is like super random. It was something that I did kind of like as therapy. Like I find writing to be very therapeutic and one of my friends is a super super talented um producer in LA and so I was like hey here's some stuff that I've just been playing around with and I can't read music but I like to sing this and he was like let's do an album like we should definitely do that so I'm actually recording an album when I go back to LA that's (laughs) awesome so you are a singer Uh, yeah (laughs) I mean actor first and foremost but I I love all things creative you know so any other stories from set that you think that someone like you would want to hear? Ice T. What was Ice T? What was his vibe oh, with you? Oh, we haven't even talked about how I improv calling Ice T a bitch. No, I didn't know you improvised that. That's amazing. <laughs> I did. And it was quite bold of me in retrospect. Quite bold. <laughs> um, I was just like in that moment. Ice T was fabulous. So his wife was amazing. Their dogs were incredible nothing but fabulous things to say but it was so funny because in that last take I don't know what came over me but I was just like he just like he said something like you must be really proud of your daughter yeah and then I just did without even I mean I think I like blacked out like I just was like bitch and then just walked out it made the final cut like it and so (laughs) and he and I walk out the door and he goes did she just call me a bitch and I was like that was definitely one for a moment for the for the memory books uh, you know amazing <laughs> not that many people get to fucking call ice tea a bitch congratulations well also we should have talked about this up top but you did send us amazing presents and i couldn't believe it first guest to have sent us presents just a heads up to for future guests yeah we really enjoyed it well I'd like that to be put somewhere, you know, my name, like a plaque or something. <laughs> no, I love it. Um, so for, yeah, it was, we got Alexander Dumas books and they're like 
classic. I feel like so I haven't held a book like this in so long. Um, so I'm wondering, are you a vintage person? Are you a crime reader? Are you but like, how did you find this? How'd you know we would love it? What's your vibe? Okay, well, I think I, I thought you would love it because obviously I listen to the podcast every week religiously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love thrifting. It's one of my favorite things. Like I, most everything I wear is either like a family heirloom, like my rings or whatever, or thrifted, like my whole outfit, whatever. And so I love to go to savers. It's really my happy place. And wherever there's a savers, I heard there was a savers here in Rhode Island. Like I cannot wait to go. So I was in savers in Tucson, Arizona, And I was looking through all the old books and I saw those and I was like, this looks like it would kind of be in their wheelhouse. And so I brought them home, dusted them off, used a little Lysol on them. And, (laughs) um, and then I, I wrapped them with, um, I got, I also got this really cool, like life magazine coffee table book there. And I think I used some of the pictures from that. Yeah, Like we we were like, we realized later we were like, the wrapping is on theme too. Like it was amazing tension to detail. Thank you. Yeah. So I just wrapped them up in that. And I just, I, you know, I like to show my appreciation in any way. Like I just, any way I can. So and then Kara loves the grinder. I love the grinder. She I can't believe so you were on excited. the grinder. <laughs> yeah. I love the grinder too. <laughs> Honestly, I've talked about it um, more than once on this podcast, but I've definitely said like, what a crime that people did not discover that show. Like truly, like it was so, so funny. I loved it so much. When it got canceled, I was devastated. But uh, how was that experience? It was absolutely like unreal. I mean, it was unreal. I met some of my best friends in Los Angeles, like Connor, who played my little brother, like he and I are still close. I was literally at his house the last day I was in LA and his older sister is like a close friend of mine. That whole family's amazing. Um, so it just gave me so many gifts, you know, like Johnny Lowe and I still talk. I think he's incredible. And just to get a little personal for a minute, like I just got sober two and a half months ago just cause you know, it just wasn't serving me anymore. And, and so he's sober and like taught, like, you know, he's public about that. So I wouldn't say anything if it wasn't public, but like, you know, I just, I, I have such a great support group from that, um, from that show, like Mary Elizabeth, who played my mama, yeah. like we're still in contact. I'm going to, I, I just sent when uh, the same day I sent you guys your present. Um, I sent her like a present and I sent her the little son a present and, and, and we're, going to get coffee when I come back. Like there's just so many, like just amazing, hardworking people that made that show possible. And I'm just feel like super fortunate, honestly. Like I, I, to be on that show at the age that I was gave me a level of self-confidence that like, I was so like tiny and had no idea what was going on and like so insecure. And like the women on that show, like Maya Rudolph and Mary Elizabeth and Natalie Morales, like they really were so empowering. They were so empowering and kind of like helped me see that like I belonged there, you know, like I deserve to be there. I worked hard to be there. Um, and, and Natalie Morales, I was just, I just did her movie plan B. Oh, amazing. Did she direct that? She directed it. Yeah. Cool. So for me, Grindr was kind of like the beginning, really the beginning of like all of my closest friendships in LA. 
Hannah was incredible. Yeah, we always we're 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 enjoying talking to these young actors who are like good people. It's giving me faith in the future. Yeah, and I liked uh, we edited this out from the interview, but she was uh, like in a bed, and that was kind of exciting. Maybe she didn't <laughs> want people to know, but it felt loungy. It felt cool. She was on yeah. vacation where Taylor Swift has a home. It just was a high class <laughs> interview all yes. around. And I want to watch the grinder now. Yes, love the grinder so much. And that she improvised the bitch line. Are you fucking kidding me? Yes. This is the kind of behind the scenes gold that we're bringing to you on this podcast. Oh, my God. I forgot to mention this up top, but I have huge news. I caught up and I finished this last season of SVU. (gasps) I saw the Carisi Rollins kiss. Oh, my God. Um, I saw the psychopath boy come back and kill his family. So I thought people would. What was your thoughts on the kiss? Anticlimactic, honestly, but happy. I hope it. I hope. I hope it continues. I hope. I hope he gets what he wants. I hope she's able to receive the love she deserves, and he's able to have the family that he's always wanted. Yeah, I wonder if, like, in the new season, they're gonna like disclose to Olivia or like keep it secret. Oh, or, like, they all watched them happen. kiss. They all watched a kiss. They, you they know, all the, watched. It. You think Benson, one of the greatest detectives of our time, <laughs> had her back turned the whole time while they were making out? <laughs> doesn't know that there's chemistry when Carisi's like. Only Rollins is good. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. That's definitely um, <laughs> not the thing. I also have one other uh, big set of news, but I forgot. <laughs> um. So what did we let's do our postmortem on this episode? What did we learn? What what did we I mean, I guess we've learned people in power do abuse their power all the time. SVU decided to flip this episode to the point like where this is a false accusation. But not but. so flip because that's what's so tough is black men are falsely accused all the time. And mm. there's like, um, you know, centuries of history. I don't know what to say. Um, yeah, there there. Yes, there are centuries. I mean, Emmett Till, there's centuries of racism of white women accusing black men of doing things that they did not do. And that's essentially what happened here. I mean, it was white children, but they were it was all being masterminded by a white woman, a white yeah. teen. And also, Carrie, you better watch what you do around Rosie. So she's not out there false accusing black, powerful men. I mean, Rosie would never because Rosie's going to be on American Diva and she's going to win American Diva because I am her tiger mom. No, just kidding. Are you kidding? Rosie's playing rugby and you know it. I know. I she's so, I can't even tell if she can sing. She likes to sing, but I can't tell if she can carry a tune yet. I don't know how soon they do that. Do you really want her? To, yeah, I think two is too young to decide if yeah. they're going to be singers for the rest of their lives well the woman on this episode was like i saw a kid on the internet who was three singing opera yeah that's you know one kid yeah that's not your <laughs> not kid. mine yeah that's, that's not uh, mine that's not yeah i can't who knows maybe rosie will be an opera singer i don't yeah know. bust out an aria here and there um i guess i learned that like if you're having a horrible drag out divorce with your husband like just keep an eye on your kids because they're following a lot of your diabolical tactics like okay i remember the next thing i was gonna say that was in my heart and mind okay remember the iced tea titty sucking comment from last week wait what Ice-T made social media posts being like, I'm just like my daughter. We both like to suck on Coco's titties. And everyone was like, Ice, could you just, what is happening? And then he wrote, whatever, I guess you know about my family. I'm a tit guy. (laughs) And it's like... 
And like, yeah, babe, they like they posted a fo- they posted a like I'm I love we obviously love Chanel's uh, Instagram. We stand her, but it was a little weird to have like to have her speaking. It like the the captions are like in her voice. Like I have an Instagram for Rosie, and I never write anything in her voice. I just write like Saturday fun or like very generic stuff because like I never assume that she's saying something. And like this whole caption is like, yeah, I breastfeed for my mom and I'm five. It's like she <laughs> might not like that when she's fifteen. Just a heads up, <laughs> like that is amazing. Also, shout out to the Drakes. They just had a baby. Okay. Anyways, this episode <laughs> dissonant voices. What did we learn? I guess if you're going to use a vibrator illegally and commit crimes, don't hide it with the rest of the toys. I don't you know what I mean? (laughs) Hide, hide your crimes or to the police. If there's an evidence thing that's so blatant, it's fake. It's a setup. It's a setup. If there's gone girl evidence that's so over the top. You gotta, you gotta suspect, okay? Like, if someone's abusing kids and has gotten away with it, they're not leaving the vibrator with the maracas, okay? Yeah. I will say something I learned this episode was, like, a little bit more respect. I learned myself a little bit more respect for Rollins. I kind of feel like there's some episodes that are Rollins-heavy that are turning me around on Rollins a little bit. She knew from the beginning that this didn't pass the smell test. She knew at the beginning that this was like seemed a little bit weird. I never. Oh, my God. Men's health. Kara, (laughs) where have you been? Oh, my God, Lisa. This is the most unhinged postmortem we have ever done. But I'm loving it. Well, this is what happens when we're not three blocks away. Uh, I know this is. Yes. The men's health. Maloney's PR team give them all the awards. I mean, they are the summer of Maloney is just raging on. Like just when you think it's over. Oh, his um, co-star who I love this girl, his co-star on OC named Ainsley um, Seeger, I think is her name. She's amazing. She, I think she listens to our podcast. She follows us. She, got the earrings that like the tiny made earrings that are of Maloney and guess the, who ordered um, them. You got them. You got them. On yeah. The I pre-ordered them. They're on the way. Tiny made. We're coming. Then thanks for all the listeners tagging us in them. Cause I will have those earrings soon. Yeah. But she wore them to set and, and took like video to see how long it was until he noticed. And then he like, I think it took like 15 minutes or something for him to notice that she was wearing him as earrings. And how did he react? They like took cute photos together. She was like detailing the whole thing on her Twitter. It was really funny. And then like, just like, so just as like the Maybelline picture is starting to fade, that starts happening. Then just as that's fading, men's health comes out. It's like this man, it's like, we're, we're never going to get, we're, it's never going to be over. I love the men's health one. I, I felt like the interview one was very gay, gay oriented. Like, Hey, I'm your daddy. You know, look, yeah. I'm wearing pink. I'm eating pizza with a little crop top. Fuck me, daddy. Yeah. And I feel men's health is very heteronormative sexual. I'm sure the gays are into well, it. And it's also but... very like, look how good you can look at 60. I think it's like, uh, it's like yeah. all about his age and how he looks so fucking good for his age. Yeah. Uh, the split. I really um, was into that. I really, really liked it. I was actually at the comedy store last week with Sarah Tia and a few people and they hadn't seen it, but they like SVU. So I brought it up and then I liked it in front of them and they all thought it was so funny and started laughing at me because they're like, wow, you're just, they thought it was vulnerable to like something in front of an audience, like in front of them. And I was like, I don't care. I'll like yeah. it while you're looking or not looking. Like all their likes are surreptitious, like in bed, like in the dark. Like, <laughs> yeah, they were like, I'll they like all something. started laughing at me for like liking it. 
that. And I was like, I like it. Um, I don't know what to say. But yeah, that was like sexy as hell. Yeah, no, that man knows how to take a photograph and do a split and lift weights. I mean, he he does a lot of things really well. And you're right. Six, he looks hotter. I, I think he looks hotter and more built now than before, you know? Yeah. And I think this like new season, he's going into OC with like a full like not beard, but like full goatee. It's like a full. It's not like a little goatee. It's a full goatee. Yeah. Oh, oh, I also, and, yeah. Go, go, go. Oh, nothing. Go. White Lotus. Oh, and I was going to say the Woodstock documentary. We, uh, we, we're not allowed New to be intro. apart for this long. <laughs> well, I, like we just re just circled around and are doing another intro right now. Um, <laughs> we learned we'll talk about voices. White Lo- we'll talk about White Lotus next week because we okay. have seen the finale and then we yes. can really get into it. Perfect. But we won't do spoil. But if you haven't seen White Lotus. And there is a little true crime element hidden, I would say. Yeah. But scathing, dark, satire, genius show. It's so good. It's so fucking good. Like the whole vibe, the acting is so good. Uh, You kind of hate everybody on it, but you love it. I don't know. I love it. It's so good. Um, Let's segue into what would Sister Peg do? Let's think of one more thing we learned from this Ah. episode. I, I guess mean, I didn't realize you have to take voice lessons that much. Five voice lessons, you know, a week. It's I, know, three I guess a week. it's like if you really want to. I know it's like, it's weird because it's like I think we all watched Kelly Clarkson win and she was just like a Texas girl with a great voice. And now she's like a huge recording artist. But she just like wandered on to, you know, American Idol. I think that it used to be probably more anybody could walk off on the street with like a uh, like a great talent. But now it's like if you're like a teenager and you want to like make it and you want to get on one of these shows, yeah, you get a vocal coach and you fucking like Did you put see in the work, Alyssa put in the money. Edwards uh, dancers are going to be on America's Got Talent. They are, they have been before, I believe. And I know they're going to be again. And I watched her full show dancing queen. <laughs> I love it. I've been rewatching drag race nonstop and it is just so soothing and so powerful and so good. So good. I got to get going on another season. I finished both seasons of UK. I've just finished Australia before I left on this trip. Anyway, we got to end now. This is it. Now we're fully into what we're watching again. Like we can't stop talking about I TV. I just gasped because I thought maybe it's Thursday and there would be more drag race, but <laughs> okay. Oh, whatever. I'm not caught up on last week's all stars, by the way. So no spoilers. I have no idea who got sent home. No spoilers. Listen, dissonant voices. Do your voice lessons. Don't false accuse black men. You can false accuse a white man here and there just to keep life interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, great. A great episode. Get um, vaccinated. But also, I mean, what we learned from like Jimmy Savile and that whole crime was that like, don't I don't know, like. I hope people can come forward, even though like there's horrible, like listen to power and celebrity. Yeah. Uh, Everyone is a molester. Everyone. Everyone is a sexual abuser unless proven otherwise. That's how we have to live life. Unless it's Billy Porter. No, nothing makes sense. You're right. This is a very unhinged um, episode of (laughs) the pod. But um, yeah, I was so focused on the episode and everything else we've been watching. I forgot that there is an actual crime spanning decades. Yeah. And we all, if you have kids, if you're a teacher, anything like you, we have to be more conscious of how we talk about like when the Kavanaugh stuff was happening. I remember being so distraught because I was like, there are kids that are being abused right now that are listening to their parents talk shit 
about Dr. Blasley Ford and you know how Kavanaugh's great. And like these kids, like kids see what's happening. Mm-hmm. And you are making it tougher for them to come. I don't think our listeners, but it's just like fucking know how you're like act better when someone comes forward with some information like that and stop fucking not coming forward for jobs or for newspaper articles or chairs like fucking we got to stop protecting celebrities and And no one gets a key to a hospital how about that it doesn't matter how much you donate you don't get open access to a psychiatric hospital and your own room to be your little molesting hotel room and you know what sometimes you gotta judge a book by its cover okay if you look like jimmy savile maybe i don't get why people just kept it kept it moving (laughs) it's a scary (laughs) person so true um, all right, let's let's really truly move on <laughs> to what to. would Sister Peg do? Uh, I was just is- gonna say Mike White, who wrote White Lotus, wrote Orange County, one of my favorite movies, and Skylar Fisk, who's from Taboo SVU, is in it. So if you need something to do. Ties right back to the White Lotus conversation from minutes earlier. Okay. Uh, what would Sister Peg do? Third time's a charm. Uh, this is our weekly segment where we talk to you guys about a organization. We give you a book or an article or something that can kind of help you uh, flesh out the topic that we touched on in this week's episode. Um, we've we've mentioned this organization before, but I think it, they're worth mentioning again. We're uh, going to highlight RAIN, uh, which is the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. It's the nation's largest anti-sexual violence organization. They have a national sexual assault hotline, which is 800-656-HOPE in partnership with more than 1000 local sexual assault service providers across the country. They do tons of different programs to prevent sexual violence, help survivors and ensure that perpetrators are brought to justice. So we always like to support rain and their website is www.rain. That's R-A-I-N-N.org. It's really inappropriate because this is such a great organization. But in my head, I just kept going rain on me. Okay. Um, (laughs) Next week's episode will be patrimonial burden. That is straight from the request line. Yeah, we've been getting a lot of requests for that, baby. Yeah. Season 17, episode seven. Join us on that journey. Hulu, Peacock. And what is it? A VPN stick if you're in Germany or England or. Yeah, you have to just go get a VPN if you live in another country and you want to get these episodes you basically you pretend you're in america with your and computer and keep sending us stuff on instagram and writing to each other and us and filling us in on everything that's happening in the sv world and drag and, and if you're not following us on instagram follow us on instagram at that's messed up pod because lisa is fucking turning it out with these games and the stories they're so good i felt proud and they're really the fun one. i felt proud. and if you miss them when they were 24 hours i save them as a highlight so that you can always go through you can't vote anymore but you can go through and see how like the matchups did and it's still fun um and in your mind you can make your choices but that's it we'll see you guys next week bye bye that's messed up is an exactly right production if you have compliments you'd like to give us or episodes you'd like us to cover shoot us an email at that's messed up pod at gmail.com follow the podcast on instagram at that's messed up pod and on twitter at messed up pod and follow us personally at kara clank and at glitter cheese 
As always, please see our show notes for sources and more information. Thank you so much to SVU Superfan and our incredible producer, Hannah Kyle Creighton. And to our sound engineer and personal hero, Annalise Nelson. And to Henry Kapersky for our theme song. To Carly Jean Andrews for our artwork. Thanks to our executive producers, Georgia Hardstark, Karen Kilgariff, Danielle Kramer, and everybody at Exactly Right Media. Listen, subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an advertiser interested in advertising on our show, go to midroll.com slash ads. Dun, dun. dun. <laughs> <laughs>